Welcome, all you motherfuckers, to another prolific installment of Pretty This Meat. Tyler? Yeah, what's up, man? How are you? I'm alright. Are you hanging in there? Are you like that cat in that picture who's fucking hanging by a thread? Uh, I was like the cat in all the other pictures that was like sleeping half an hour ago. So, oh, I would say you're hanging in there. <laughs> well, 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 man. What are we gonna get into today? I don't know. You don't. Um, you don't know. I don't know. I have some things, but the last two times you've started off by saying uh, I don't have anything. So. That's not the case today. Today I, I came prepared, and you'll probably hate me for being prepared. <laughs> <laughs> because as in typical procrastinator fashion, I prepare, I overprepared, <laughs> and I have no real concept of when I'm adequately prepared. The last time you made an outline, we got like three shows worth out of it. Fuck yeah, and hopefully we can fucking scratch the surface and get three more shows out of this one. Let's do it. Um, so, as per typical pretty this meat fashion, we're going to kick today off with our uh, customary tip of the hat. No, seriously though. What? Um, we're gonna do a little bit of it takes one to know one. So say, we're not doing we're not doing hip hop history anymore, are we? I was gonna say silent football, but um, silent football. You remember that game? No. You don't remember that? No. Hmm. We'll have to explain it to you someday, and then we'll play it on the air, and then no one uh, will know what's oh, going on. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh! I remember silent football. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. That's where uh, boner yams came from. And wiener right. wiener potatoes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. We're not playing that right now. You remember silent football? We need four people anyway. But all that aside, we're gonna go straight into the meat and potatoes of takes one and no one. Tyler, I give you the floor. Oh fuck. Okay. What did I say? What, hold on. I was gonna. Oh, that's right. I was gonna rip, rip this establishment that has been an establishment for a century and a half, and mm. it's coming to an end. Mm. And that's the Ringling Brothers Circus. Mm. So I guess I can start by asking you: Did you ever go to the circus? No, I never went to the circus. You never went to the circus. Once. Never once went. Never had a desire to go. No. Never. No. Ever. That, that was pretty much me. Uh, when I was like seven. My parents were like, hey, we got tickets to the circus. That's really exciting, right? And I'm like, I, I guess. Like, people, you know, circuses are, they tell me you're fun. You know, that's that's what you're supposed to do. You get excited for it. So I was at the Arrowhead Pond, and uh, I saw that little, like, spherical cage where dudes are, like, doing the motorcycle thing. I guess that's cool, but you don't need a circus for that, you know? I, like, there were, there were clowns, which was weird. What is that thing? What, the little, like. Why is there a bunch of guys riding tony, tiny motorcycles in a fucking spherical, like, chain link? I don't know. Or, and then they put someone in the middle, and it's like, look, this guy's not going to get hit at all. And it's kind of cool, but really, if you know physics, it's not that hard. You just, like, gun it, and you're good. That's all centripetal force. You just keep going around and around. Here. What in the fuck is that? I don't know. It's, <laughs> a, it's a gimmick. But, again, you don't actually need the circus for it. You can do that at the X Games, and it's it's just as fitting. And I saw an elephant, and an elephant, like, you know, made a big show about, like, oh, we can make this elephant sit like a dog. Ah, yeah, cool. Revolutionary. And, you know, they brought out tigers, and it, and it honestly looked like they were just parading the tigers around. Like, it's not like, oh, look what the tigers are doing. It's like, oh, look, tigers. And, you know, I'm in the 300-level seating. Like, oh, cool, I could be closer at a zoo, which are also, you know, super overrated places to go have fun. Zoos? Yeah. Zoos are all right. I mean, but they're essentially circuses. 
Yeah, but with the zoo, it's not like there's no fucking gimmicks. It's just here's an animal in a cage. <laughs> look how sad it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's like, hey, wow, they look cool. Uh, They're not trying to uh, entertain you like by just the obvious you know, means. You know something random that Ron Miguel was talking about one time? He Mm-mm. said uh, if you like smile at like a chimp or like some kind of monkey in the zoo and like they smile back, like it's not like oh like they're not like mimicking you they're not like oh happiness yeah it's like a sign of aggression so yeah. anytime people are like smiling at monkeys at zoos like you're just it's just you're hundreds just of, hundreds off. of people pissing off that monkey oh man yeah harambe that's all that comes to mind well that i mean that that had nothing to do with people that, smiling at that him. was just a dumbass kid but you know whatever hmm you know what? I've heard that before, though, too. Of a lot of animals, apparently, maybe not just chimps. I don't know. Like, if you like bury your teeth at an animal, it's like a definite sign of aggression. Same right? with dogs, but yeah. I mean, dogs are are sub- submissive animals by nature. So, like, once they see that you're giant, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. They'll, you know. Yeah, but sure. when you think about it, that's like for a lot of animals, that's definitely like the first fucking. That's the first sign of sign of aggression that they show. Like they curl their lips and they bare their, you know big giant teeth and they try to you know make a threatening display and uh it's really fucked up that you know we just think that oh look at i'm smiling at my dog but again you motherfucker this is all just goes back to like the whole i mean i guess you can use the whole PETA angle of like you know animals for entertainment and shit but PETA fucking sucks too so they need to stop well (laughs) i'm not pulling any punches here but (laughs) I mean, they're just they're they're crazy. Yeah, they're, there's extremes and everything. And enough said on PETA. Um. Anyway, and another thing I heard about like the circus, like people were saying how clowns uh, weren't scary, like until Hollywood. Did you rip made all this? this from the back in my day that Greg Cody did. Did I? Did you? I I. Just happened to be scrolling through Twitter and looking through videos of something. Did you watch Division it? Six Bound, and then sure enough, back in my day, it came <laughs> Division on. Six Bound is a fantastic Twitter. It is. Account. It's a great, great follow. Uh, Shameless plug. But uh, yeah, yeah, I probably did. Um, that's I've, what he I've, said. Like, I've heard. Before. I've heard like four people like talk about the circus in like the last two days. Clowns got turned into like a product of horror. And he, like he said were, something yeah. about that, but that's total bullshit. Like I feel like clowns by nature are creepy as fuck. I mean, I know there's the whole John Wayne Gacy thing. I know there's it, and yeah, there's got to be other, you know, clown movies from like the '60s, '70s, '80s. I'm not a huge fan of clowns. I'm not super terrified of clowns, but you know, I mean, not to be totally insensitive, but they're like grown ass people, grown ass men wearing makeup is kind of gay. Like, (laughs) I mean, nothing wrong with that, but it's kind of weird. Right? It's not my cup of tea is all it's, I'm saying. And, you know, I feel like from a young age, I've definitely been put off by a grown man wearing makeup. And have you ever, like, I mean. Gender roles strongly enforced over here. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not the, it's not the turn I was trying to take there. But I was just, have you ever, like, heard about, like, clowns and how seriously they take their, like, clowning ships? There's, like, a whole fucking clown college, like. Yeah, and there's, like, a brotherhood and, like, they are, you know. They're not as carefree and fun loving as you might like as as their outer appearance might make you believe. They're very serious people. Which is weird. You would think, right? <laughs> wow. I that's that's really interesting to me. 
like, guess with any craft or any profession, like people are taking it seriously. But that's the most ironic thing to take but I have, seriously. I have a feeling a plumber's probably like, I mean, I'm a no nonsense kind of guy because I clean shit out all day, and you can't really say much to you know. Life in my day, up. or or make fun of me about it. Like I know what I'm doing, you know. But if you make fun of the clown, I have a feeling they would stop what they're doing for 15 <laughs> seconds and explain why what they're doing is like a. It's been happening. It's an since art. Ancient, performance ancient art. Ancient times. This is the last pure form of entertainment. It's performance art. But okay. they look weird. You Philistine. And they look creepy and they move creepy and. Philistine. Clowns are weird. Yeah, no. Clowns agree, are objectively agree weird. Agree to agree. Here and I have a, clowns I, are objectively strange. And I have a feeling it's not just, you know, creepy killer clowns has been shaping my, you know opinions of this like i said grown men wearing makeup that's all that was the first impression of clowns i feel like i can remember having is like why are they have why are they wearing so much makeup (laughs) that shit is not right to me my mom wears makeup (laughs) like i said gender roles enforced i was gonna say you're really sticking to that one look (laughs) i'm not saying it's wrong for men to wear makeup i'm saying i'm a little creeped out by it (laughs) Call me what you will. I guess that's fair. I'm I'm not disparaging anybody for wearing makeup, but as they said in that one South Park episode, it's the museum of tolerance, not the museum of acceptance. There you go. You just I don't want you to die or be in jail, but that doesn't mean I have to like totally approve of everything you're doing at all times. And I'm not. I mean, I'm painting with a broad brush here because men wearing makeup is a pretty common thing. We really think about it. Like yeah. men, like actors and TV yeah, and movies, people, they all wear makeup. I don't know if you've ever seen Steve Buscemi in Boardwalk Empire, but he looks like he's wearing <laughs> lipstick all the time. Dude, well, that's that's Steve Buscemi in any movie. And that's what my girlfriend says. She's like, he just looks like that. That's just his face. And I'm just like, I get you, what you're you, saying. You remember that scene in like Billy Madison, right? When, yeah. When Billy, when Billy calls him up and he's like, hey, look, man, I'm sorry. I was such a mean kid in high school and blah, blah, blah. He goes, all right and he goes to his list and he crosses him off the two two kill list glad i called that guy (laughs) and he just puts on the fucking rouge like 17 times in a row yeah but i mean he looks like i actually don't think rouge is lipstick sorry rouge is a form of lipstick is it really i thought it was like on the eyeshadow no shows how much i know about makeup it's like lipstick you apply with a like a a paintbrush type tool like uh like ariel would do in uh, little mermaid you want to hear something super ironic? She would squeeze that like barnacle and it was like... Pow. As to why I know that. And this probably couples into why I think grown men wearing makeup is weird. Because <laughs> you were raised by women? No. Well, I was, but I used to do plays. <laughs> oh, that's true. And we used to have to fucking wear makeup. And the only that's reason right. I know what rouge is is because rouge was something that was routinely applied to myself or people around me. Sick. And I fucking hated it. Dope. I fucking hated so you having were, to wear makeup. you were what you hated for a while. Yeah, and maybe that's it. that's probably fueling the fire there. I don't know. <laughs> we're peeling back the layers here, folks. Yeah. He doesn't just have he doesn't just have an irrational hatred for for men and makeup. No way. I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is good. This is good. I did the King and I when I was like 12, and we had two casts. Because there's, you know, a bunch of kids in rep. So, like, there's a red cast and yellow cast. It's always like, understudy cast. Yeah. Whatever. Well, it wasn't like it was, like, understudy cast. But you like, always do the play w- that you put on twice because right, two kids. Right, because you have the red cast and the blue cast yeah, or whatever. And red cast does opening night. Blue cast does closing night. <laughs> and uh, since there were a lot of people in rep, there was enough to do 
different casts, but there wasn't enough to like exclude everybody all the time. So like when, if you were in the red cast as a main character, sure as shit, when the blue cast was doing their show, you were a fucking extra or, you know, just a scene or, filler. Wait, hold on. Are, is this like a school play or like a, no, this, well, this was a rep show. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't like those things where they have the bleachers behind where like the, all kids are on stage at all times. No, that's like you, a fucking pageant. Yeah, like, yeah. That's not like a play play, but, <laughs> and then like everyone has to come down. You got to part the waters as everyone comes down. Like four mics are always live up there. And yeah. Kids have to go up and they pull out their little script cause they don't memorize. They obviously didn't memorize it. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, so in this play, the King and I, yeah. I was cast as Lewis, Anna's son, yep. who's English. Yeah. But on nights that it wasn't my cast's turn to perform, I was a little Siamese child. And I had to wear Ooh. eyeliner. Huh? Oh, like wait, Siamese? What do you mean by Siamese? The, he he so he's Anna it was Anna and the King, right? And he was the king oh, of Siam. Oh, oh, that's right. So so he wasn't like a Siamese twin, like conjoined like No, no, no. Twin. He uh he was actually, Thailand. yeah, yeah. He was actually, that's his they were Thai, ethnicity, they, Siamese. They used to be called Siam back Got, in the day. Gotcha. And, uh. <laughs> I was like, what, did you have to share a shirt with another king? No. <laughs> you had your own costumes, which was kind of cool. But, uh, uh, the king had a bunch of wives and concubines and thus had a bunch of other children. So he basically had a harem of fucking people just chilling at all times. But when I wasn't doing my cast, I had to put on fucking eyeliner and, like, fucking, like, Belled pants and fucking wear a sash around my chest and you had to be dude, like a like a like a like a like a Persian whore basically basically like a, but I'd walk around like bow and like it was very culturally insensitive when you look <laughs> back on it but I had to wear eyeliner like legit had they applied eyeliner on my eyes to give me a you know like yeah. a oriental eye so oriental's probably not the word I should use there no I that's definitely not the one. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we weren't even old enough to know like that word as like a derogatory yeah. word but here you are using it because. Jeez, I didn't I think, realize it was a derogatory term until I was like 14. I, I was like, wait guy, a minute. I think this guy. We there. have an oriental rug in the house. Why can we say that? But uh, I had to wear eyeliner, dude. It was the most unfucking comfortable thing in the world. I like would like cry as they were putting it on. And I just don't know how bitches put that shit on on a daily basis. With a pencil? I know, dude. Yeah, like or like this liquid fucking thing like that liquid eyeliner and they it, oh god just thinking about it gets I, me irritated i couldn't imagine like that's a, that's another thing like i can't imagine like wearing uh contact lenses like i'm so glad i don't have to because people seem so comfortable with just touching their like eyeball and i feel like that's such a weird thing but it's also really common so watching people just... put contacts in is <laughs> hilarious too i saw on uh, uh this sunday when they were playing football like someone must have lost his contact and like he had gloves on, so someone's doing it for him. Oh, and I was just like, God damn! Can you imagine that? that like, is disgusting. In a football environment too, so his fingers probably got like a bunch of grime and dirt, like little specks on it. Ugh. Just putting on a dirty oh, ass. Oh god, that contact. sounds like a great way to get pink eye. Ugh. Um, I mean, we got a little sidetracked there, but yeah. uh, so let's get back to the circus talk. All right. I actually have seen the King and I though. Right on. It was uh, the leading lady was the chick from the first uh, Parent Trap. Like growing up, uh, what's that hoe's name? Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck, I can't remember. King Arthur's dope show though. Like it's yeah. it's a good it's a good show. Anyway, um, yeah, let's get back to the circus. The circus. Um, mm-hmm. uh, 146 years it's been going. Right. It's finally shutting down. Right. Uh, good riddance is is my. There favorite. you go. Yes. 
That was a takes one to no one done right. You will not be missed. No, thank you, thank you, thank you. We I have, saw we have YouTube now. We're good. I Sorry. saw in your notes you were like, "Will anyone miss it?" And I was gonna like, if you were gonna ask that, I was gonna jump all over and be like, "No fuck no, no one's gonna miss the <laughs> circus." Stuff. Are you fucking kidding me? It's been over 146 years. Have you ever been? But more than once, I've never I was, been. I, I never was wanted to go. Taken, you know, and yeah. that's the thing. It wasn't like you're dragged. It, it wasn't like a park circus. It was like the, the actual fucking big top. The the. It, I mean, it was at the Arrowhead Stadium. Like yeah, it the was, Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey. Arrowhead Pond, Arrowhead Stadiums in Kansas City. Ugh. Anyway, um, takes one to know one done right for Tyler. Sorry, that was that was just it was masterfully done. We got sidetracked, and you still managed to just fucking pull it in and burn that shit down. Woo! All right. How far are we into this? Audio? I don't know. I don't have Go to check. check. I got to look at my notes and then switch between them. We're 16 minutes in. All right. We didn't. Th- that's no, okay. no, no. We're just we're just warming up the pipes. <laughs> All right. So I wrote down my take and my take was going to start as something but then became something else. Uh, so I may have to get a twofer in here because this is an interesting I was sitting in traffic and I realized as I had prepared all the notes, I was like, oh, shit, I didn't come up with a take. And I think I've used all the takes that I've saved. So I was like, fuck, I got to think of something. I'm just like, all right, just get in the mode. Just get in the zone. Just look around you. What, what's been bothering me lately? What's yep, been, that's what's, how you been do it. what's been, you know, not looking on Reddit. Yep. What's been on my mind? <laughs> what's been on my mind? What's been on my mind? And then I, so like I've been driving in traffic, you know, 25 miles one way to get to work for, you know, like a year and a half now. And just, it's miserable, but I've kind of developed a, a theory that if I, leave more than ample space between the car in front of me and myself traffic seems to move by quicker because i'm not constantly riding the brake i'm just coasting and just you know lightly tapping the brake so it's like it seems to not be so irritating well one of the one of the catches to that is that people have a tendency to just fucking get in your lane because they see an opening mm-hmm. and like a lot of people drive with this mentality that that i'm gonna try to fucking save as much fucking time as possible if that means changing lanes every five seconds because i'm getting you know six feet further than i was a second ago i'm gonna fucking do that so that's the one thing that i found out by like employing this strategy is that people have a tendency to just jump in front of me like yep. at a fucking moment's notice and that was gonna it, that was gonna be my take and i was just like but that's like that's kind of like a grinds my gears kind of thing. And it's just like, you know, what's been, what's been irritating me. And I was like, well, that definitely bugs me. But, and the minute I started typing in lane changes, like I got to lane C H. I was like, you know, what's fucking stupid art appreciation. You wait, really, wait, what art? So like art connoisseurship, art appreciation, <laughs> people who, fucking critique and try to pull meaning out of fucking paintings in particular sculptures is different because it's like you know you're well i guess i don't know like abstract art and all that shit like i get that you know i i see the beauty in it but people who who make a living fucking critiquing this shit and it's just like dude you are all you have to do is be fluent and bullshit like to fucking and I know philosophy gets a bad rap for the same thing because a lot of it is bullshit, and you can bullshit your way through it. But, but you, we're all poor. But within and the, we're not high fluting fucking. But art, you know. the art dealers are fucking rich as hell, yeah, so it's crazy. We're not fucking like like within the context of your bullshit. You still kind of have to be like in the ballpark. 
because people could still be like, no, that's that's not what we're talking about. Like, I get that you are because well, as much as like oh everything is open to interpretation, we're usually interpreting words, whereas that's just a, a fucking picture. Well, words have one purpose, and that's to convey meaning. Like the meaning might change, though. That's the thing. But right, right, put right. in the right order, there's a general idea most of the time. Especially in abstract art, there can be like a general idea, or, maybe in the artist's mind, but maybe it's just poop stain. The dude, that's my point exactly. So my my take is obviously that art connoisseurship is fucking stupid because all you got to do is be fluent in bullshit. I I'm not an artist, uh, but in in any stretch of the term, like I I can't draw to save my fucking life. But I can't tell you how many times I've set out to like create something. You know, maybe not. To publish but you know i'm like all right i'm gonna draw i'm gonna make a doodle half of the time i'm not i'm not fucking like paying attention to what i'm drawing so it's like scribbles and shit the other half of the time if i know i'm drawing something i know that the only reason i'm drawing the only thing i'm trying to convey here is that i drew this like and so every time i look at people studying paintings in depth and fucking like art history like that kind of like just uh, just that whole like like high flute and pretentious fucking mm, this is like you know this conveys sympathy and loss and da, 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 da. I just think that that's the fucking stupidest thing in the world and I'm gonna go on record to say that all you gotta do is just be fluent in your own goddamn bullshit so there you have it folks that's my take I think I'm gonna have to tip my hat to Tyler on this one because his was just executed masterfully <laughs> he never lost sight of the prize and just fucking lit a fire to the fucking circus. Good riddance. Yeah. Fuck you. Right on. But first of all, first yeah. of all, first of all, first of all, yes, traffic is absolutely created by lane changers. Like, that's what makes it su- suddenly when your lane's like, oh shit, I'm stopping, like, out of nowhere. It's because someone just, oh, super fast when they didn't need to. Yeah. And it saved them an extra five seconds and it lost everyone else, like, maybe an extra two seconds. And that's two times. 60 or whatever and that one guy gets just the one five seconds you know what my favorite so he's evil as fuck is basically what i'm saying my favorite thing that happens in that situation like when somebody's making that lane change detriment to society definitely he's causing traffic um my favorite thing is when you're you're in a lane and somebody cuts in front of you and then gets out of lane you know just kind of like does that whole bob and weave thing trying to get ahead trying to get ahead and they do it and they get like three cars in front of you and then you're just kind of like okay they, they you, you stop paying attention right then then five minutes later your lane opens up and you start going down the highway who do you pass fucking person who's doing all that shit so it's like you- some people like when i'm in the right lane and they are gonna turn right but for some reason i'm not going fast enough for them and they do the whole like boom left lane back in the right lane in front of you yeah just to turn right, like Ugh. like they were gonna do. I hold up my thumb now, like <laughs> I make a big sarcastic like oh, asshole show of like. Good how job, much, bro. How much time are you really saving yourself? Like none. If you get to your destination, if we left the same place at the same time and had to be at the <laughs> same place at the exact same time, if you took driver A and driver B, who are total opposites, how much faster is the 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 guy making lane changes gonna get there? A whole. 30 seconds uh, two no. minutes does two minutes make a huge difference in the contents of like getting to work like like oh shit uh, it's 858 fuck it's you know it's 901 like for people yeah that like i just yeah it's 
absolute no bullshit. I can't begin to psychoanalyze. Oh, man. All right. But Take then t- art. But then art. Yeah, man. Art. Um, all right. Moving on. We're, we're going to reel this one in. We're getting out there now. It takes one to know one. We I gotta... was trying to like reconstruct your entire argument. I couldn't think of it. It's you know what it's 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 a take. It's it not was. a fucking. It's not an educated opinion. It's not something that I've thought long and hard about. There it's just go. something that occurred to me last weekend, actually, when we were golfing. Like I definitely was like thinking about this. Like you know what, art appreciation is just fucking total bullshit. But we're we're uh, we you know what takes one to know one's got to be like a drop the mic session. All right. It's basically just got to be like blah 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 blah. <laughs> There's the mic drop. Um. All right. So. I'm going to introduce something here that I want to try to do for the duration or the life of this podcast. Oh, yeah. So I want to start a death watch for 2017. And from that death watch, I want to power rank the deaths. And so, like, hopefully by the time we get into June, well, this is kind of like I'm, I'm, I'm meaning two things here. Because I don't honestly mean hopefully there's a bunch of people who've died by June. <laughs> but in order for this segment to work, it's kind of got to have to happen. Like, so... So yeah, I guess I'm just I'm gonna. And people are dying all the time. They're dying I mean, all the time. Like they're not gonna stop dying. Let, you don't know? let anyone fool you that like, hey, less people died this year. No, people are gonna keep dying. Dying's like, not going out of style. No, it's not like the circus. It's gonna be here. <laughs> circus died. Look at that. But uh, so I want to. I want to start a death watch, and I really just like I want to, you know, look at who's dead. You know what? What can we do to power rank them by their contributions and, or the success they've had or. And and that'll be funny because like the week that someone big dies, guess who came in the just guess who just slid in the number one spot, man. Till further notice. Yep. Fucking blankety blank. Yeah. Number so, one in the death watch. Another thing. Another thing that I thought of a little, a little after the fact for doing was like taking taking all comers on who's who you got like you know. Oh no no we're not we're not <laughs> predicting this we're not trying to take fucking a pool of of who oh, it's gonna on. happen to let's just let's give the people what they want no yeah let's give the people what they want and you know who who are your top three this year <laughs> mm. no I played this game with my girlfriend's brother and uh, yeah not on record though <laughs> I'm going on record with my choices oh god I said oh, I'm not even gonna be able to remember I'd have to pull it up maybe by the end of the episode I'll give you. But uh, I had a power three, and I will find it. But um, I I saw this interesting list, right? And what I'm gonna do right now is I'm gonna click this list, and I'm gonna read off some of the uh, some of those who we've we're anticipating might not be with us oh, by the end of the year. Whose list is this? It's it's so this is from Deathlist.net. Deathlist 2017. On today, gone tomorrow. Oh and, my God! Who's who, they're predicting this shit? Yeah, so this is their rank, right? And then it has the previous year. It's like total total stats on this shit. Oh Number God. one, they got Kirk Douglas. He's 101 years old. How's Kirk Douglas 101 years old? How is he not dead yet? How is he still alive at 101 <laughs> years old? And it, dude, it's just a bunch of old ass fucking fools. Like, and so yeah, I wanted to. Clear, but, I mean, clearly, yeah, all these people are over 88. And I think the whole Fats Domino well, is still alive. So you got like like Yost Vander. Fusen, like he's a rugby Mary player. Tyler Moore's he's only forty six. Wow. Yeah, she's number forty eight. She must be in good health, but not good enough to not be on this list. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I was gonna. I want to get this Betty thing White, started. Betty White, though. Oh my God, no, she. Betty White's no, she's twenty eighteen. She's got to go. She's going at least to twenty eighteen. Got to go. No, you're you're calling. Are you calling Betty White? 
<sighs> can you can you fill for maybe 30 seconds while I find this message? Oh my god. Just uh, well, who, yeah, why don't you pick a 3 right now? Oh my oh jeez. All right, no. Well, first I like the Kirk Douglas cuz Jesus Christ, 101 years old. Mhm. Uh, isn't he like Charlie Sheen's like grandpa? I'm not 100% sure. No, I'm thinking of Michael Douglas and 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 uh Martin Sheen. I don't know what. That's an awful that sound. Was. That's the refrigerator. I wonder. There we go. I knew right. it was gonna stay on forever. Um, um, I'm not gonna be able to find it. But, let's see. I'm uh, not picking Betty White because uh, you gotta pick Betty White. No, she's 96 years old. She's lived a long, healthy life. Trump's about to get into office. That's really gonna fuck with a person's heart. Oh fuck! I think Betty White's. She's up there. Oh man. Where did she rank in the power rankings? I'm trying to think of like old ass coaches that are like is not coaching anymore i can't believe betty white's not top five betty white's gotta go look at her number 22 are you kidding me oh man are you kidding me jimmy carter jimmy carter's old i really there you go boom stanley oh that's a sad one (laughs) i can i can (laughs) and betty white's not (laughs) nah betty white would be like oh finally she's dead stanley though he's like wait where was he uh he was up there he was a certain yeah desmond tutu is still alive I don't even know who Desmond Tutu is. I don't think I do, but like it sounds. Yeah, so I'm. I gotta find this list. I gotta pick my three because that's that's where we're gonna start. So obviously, Death Watch 2017. All right, we're gonna be fucking. I'll compile my list. You just gotta. You gotta have three. Three you think are going. Three you think are going. Okay, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. So this whole thing is Death Watch of people who haven't died yet. Well, so what? I thought we were ranking the deaths. My plan for this is the Death Watch 2017. Yes. So we're gonna. Take everyone who's died in 2017. Yeah, yeah. And that's why right now it's tough because there's only been 16 days and really nobody of notable notoriety has died yet. So you're asking us to kill people, basically. What I'm doing right now is I'm planting the seed. This thing's going to grow. People are going to start dropping like flies. And when they do, we're going to have a top three. And when there's <laughs> enough, a top five. And then right. when there's enough, ev- inevitably a top ten. And then we're going to yell at each other about... We're going to argue. Rankings. We're going to make our cases for who deserves to be on this list and why. And then, uh, like like right now, is our opportunity to establish like our, you know, our top three, like our pick them. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. You know? No. Yeah. That's, that's Death Watch 2017. So it's going to be a lively segment. And we don't have to do it all the time. Just when somebody finally kicks a cr- fucking can, they're done. Did you mean to say lively on purpose? No. But do you see what I did there? <laughs> That's awesome. I think Death Death Watch is going to be a, a fucking success. Perfect. It's just giving people what they want. I love it. That's your baby. That is Death Watch 2017. That's mine. All right, man. So do you want to go first or do you want me to kick this thing off? Yeah. Here? Yeah. No. I got a whole shit. Yeah. You seems like you got here. some stuff. And it's actually not that much. It's just what I ended up deciding to do was fucking very dense. Awesome. So I came across this article, browsing Reddit as usual, uh, that, and it was actually kind of all over news when you type the word honesty into Google. You'll probably see this, uh, you know, somewhere in that front page. But I found this article that basically makes the claim, well, based on new studies at least, that cursing is a sign of honesty. I kind of wanted to know like what you thought about this before we really get too much into it. Like, how do you feel about that? Do you think cursing is a sign of honesty? I mean, it makes sense because 
by nature, if you're censoring yourself, like you're not being completely honest. You're, right. You're sugarcoating. You're like using, in theory, euf- right? Euphemisms and stuff. So if you're a, if your predilection, your inli- right. inclination is to, you know, say fuck all the time, uh-huh. then you're probably going to not care about what like the content is either. Like as far as like offending people because right. you're already using offensive word by nature. And I kind of agree with you. I think in theory, that's that's when you're being literal. Like, yeah, yeah. If somebody's not filtering themselves or being honest, but then it kind of got me thinking about sincerity versus honesty. Like, and maybe like a linguistical difference between the two. Like semantics. Here we go. Here we go, man. And you know what's funny is I actually made a side note today that was just like recurring themes. And semantics is like number two on the list. <laughs> I was just like, you know what? That's that's. I tend to talk a lot about this, but. uh perfect yeah that was kind of like this, this thing i was like yeah when you when you when you say it like that yeah of course somebody's not being honest that they're trying not to curse but it doesn't actually like really wrap its arms around like whether or not people are like pathologically like they don't swear or they don't you know they they shy away from what's considered you know vulgar at the time or in in context or people who just you know aren't being totally sincere with you. Like if, if someone's like intentionally deceitful, but, and they have a bad mouth, like they're not, nece- you know what I mean? Yeah, like there's I a mean, lot of conditions. Not, yeah, for, I mean, it doesn't necessitate honesty for honesty. Like and it just kind of like to, to, to headline this with like, you know, people who swear more are more honest. That was just kind of just like, I don't know about that, but did you the, get into it? The, yeah, no, I read the article okay. and the article was pretty good. So it was, uh, cursing and profanity is like thought to be, or was thought to be, you know, prior to this this research being done, was thought to be like a sign of anger, and uh, that views kind of changed like over time. Um, we've become more tolerant because you see swearing all over the place now. Like, fuck, even in Naruto, like he says ass and what the hell, like all the time. Like I was just like, I thought. This was kind of like a cartoon that was geared for they younger have, people. Like, they have promos for first take with Stephen A. Smith, and mm-hmm. he's saying like "damn" and "hell," and like yeah. they have like the words going next to it. So they're like, and they don't like you they know, they don't blur them out. They don't give them asterisks or anything. Like, yeah. So I'm just kind of like, ESPN, like damn. Yeah, it's like you know, that's like the one stop shop for sports. And if they're not catering to you know that demographic, that's you know offended by that shit, then it really must not be that big of a deal anymore. Um, but we used to, you know, kind of vilify like people who swore a lot or we deemed them less civil or whatever. And the article actually brings up something that's kind of funny. Um, Gone with the Wind's like a historically significant film. Like I'm not, I'm not like talking out of my ass when I say that. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's, if, if there's any other achievements like, I, see, that's the thing. I don't know too much about the technology at the time or film history to know why Gone with the Wind is historically significant. But there's a f- really famous line in there when Clark Gable sa- says, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Yeah. And uh, back when that got released, the producers got fined $5,000 huh. for him just saying that. Like, they fucking fined him. Like, that mo- they released that movie and people saw it and there was outcry enough to where they went and find them. I don't know what $5,000 would be today. 
Because I feel like that movie was made a legit hundred years ago. That's like in like the last five minutes of a Disney movie, someone just dropping fuck. Like <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. That'd be the best Disney movie ever. Like Toy Story, right? Because like five thousand dollars back then would be like some like hefty like eight, eight figure five money. Yeah, it'd just be like damn, they're they're finding us fucking fifteen million right now. Fuck, like, because a bunch of kids heard fuck. Like, yeah. So like I said, until recently, profanity, profanity. And uh, dishonesty have been kind of widely associated um, as like deviant behavior. Like people who swear a lot are more likely to be, you know, troublemakers or they're more likely to be whatever, like on the wrong side of the track, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and now that's kind of being challenged by suggesting that profanity is the expression of unfiltered thoughts and kind of like sincere motives. But Again, that sort of was like, I mean, just because somebody's swearing doesn't mean they're fucking being honest. Like that was kind of the thing. No, that I, yeah, like, but don't. I guess they're 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 making a claim on the maybe the pathological nature of that. Well, but did it say what the actual like study they did was? Like, how did they? Yeah, and I um, what, did they just think about it like no, we are right now, or did they, they actually like have a? It had something to do with social media. Like social media played a huge role in it. Like they used Twitter and Facebook, and they like followed people's accounts or asked them to say some things or give their opinions on some things. And they found that the people who used swear words, and this is just based on like, uh, uh, you know, from the social media perspective, this is like kind of just data that they've yeah. compiled. But they found that the people who swore in their responses or their opinions on things were were more consistent in their in their other tweets or other, you know, Facebook posts. Like they, you know, despite the fact that they swear a lot, their views really didn't waver on certain things and they've kind of always at least appeared to speak their mind. But I thought that's kind of flawed too because yeah. it's like you are who you want to be behind a keyboard. Like you don't have to really have, you know, like hard and fast morals because you can kind of be the person you want to be who doesn't have any problems. So like I said reading this and thinking about this kind of kicked off in my head like sincerity versus honesty and then like you know are the people who are not are the people who are swearing are they being authentic and then obviously there it went i said the word authentic and then boom 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 just started kicking it off into philosophical rabbit hole so what yes what um i wanted to ask you before we moved on to that is is the swearing thing like if you swear more often and it's associated with honesty do you think in terms of existentialism that that's authentic like not authentic in the sense that it's like a, an original thought or this or that it's authentic in the sense that you're living the way you want to and should think you should live um it's kind of weird because it's like the whole point of like the whole swear words are, you know, words you can't say. Like they don't have any meaning besides what society says. Oh, these are the ones you can't say. So when you hear them, you're like, oh, that sounds cool because we're not allowed to say it. So. Plus, fuck just sounds really cool. Have you ever like just thought about like the whole construction of the word side note here you know what's funny is i think about this all the time this might be gender roles playing their part again but i am admittedly uh ah, oh, what's the word i'm fucking looking for i swear a lot i say fuck um that's pretty pre great pretty frequently and i don't even think about it no 
and there's a there's there's but some, do you think that came from a place of like you just loving to use it or you like to use it because they like people you were raised to believe that it was like a bad word and you probably shouldn't say it around but it felt cool to say it as like a rebellious that's thing. A really good question man i guess i just grew up listening to my dad swear so that's the thing about like authenticity like are you being authentically well, no. Uh, a good member of society? Or are you being authentically a rebel by nature by saying you can't tell me what I can't say? And plus this word sounds awesome and shit sounds really cool too. And that's really funny because I was going to say, like, even though I swear a lot, I know some people, when they swear too much, it's kind of like... Totally I, like... I stop listening. Like, I'm just... You know what I mean? Especially, like, when... And this might be a little uh, unfair oh. of me to say, oh. but oh. when women... oh excessively say the f word i like am very like just like it's just kind of hard for me to hear and i'll explain why and maybe it'll make a little more sense i mean a dude constantly saying it all the time but here's the point i'm going to illustrate at least for me speaking on my behalf um if i was to say if i was to stub my toe and someone asked me what was wrong why are you screaming i'd be like i just stubbed my fucking toe like (laughs) i'd say it like that like you know it's not the cleanest or most eloquent way to put it but I just throw it out there. I just stub my fucking toe. But I feel like sometimes people, and not all girls, but girls have a tendency to speak like this more so than men. Girls will say, "I just stubbed my fucking toe." <laughs> do you hear? Do you hear? Do you hear what I'm trying to capture there? Do you hear? Do you hear so, what I'm saying? So you're talking quality, not quantity. You're talking force. It's the the emphasis at which certain <laughs> words are said. It and definitely sounds different. Like okay. it, it, when I say <laughs> I just stubbed my fucking toe, I say I just stubbed my fucking toe. When a girl says I just stubbed my fucking toe, <laughs> it's fucking fucking like every phonetic sound in the word fucking is dragged out to like a bitter end and that's interesting. Based, based on no like research at all, pure just life experience. That's actually really funny. That that's all. That's the <laughs> only reason. Sometimes when I hear that, when I hear girls saying swear words a lot, that's the thing that turns me off. It's not that they're swearing; it's how they're swearing. <laughs> you get what I mean? Like, I, I understand the. I could be totally crazy for no, just observing no, this, but I, now I I I I feel you on the discrepancy. I'm not sure if you know it is a you know a good or bad quality or anything but i but now that you say that that is kind of it's going to be one of those things that like somebody just like points out and then you're never gonna never get you're never gonna like not look at it the same like you're gonna be like oh wow i've been missing this this whole time every 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 like female just ruined it for you yeah i I meet for the rest (laughs) of my life and i hear that like hard g at the end of all the fuckings and i'm like oh my god you're gonna think about this conversation and you're just gonna be like damn (sighs) and that's all you're gonna think about and it's just so funny because I just feel like like I, and then I'm gonna bring up this conversation and think I'm being interesting and she'll be like oh, okay bye and then she'll go tell her friends what a fucking idiot, <laughs> um, but yeah dude that's just something that just like sticks out to me I can't help but notice it and every time I do it's like I just like I hear it and I hear it and I just like it's like nails on a chalkboard to me like it's I don't know why I I could give a shit what they're saying like it's just the fact that the way that they're saying it I think it's only that word in particular yeah. 
like shit Sh- shit shit well you can't really emphasize no. shit but i feel like that's only in movies oh, when people say shit but i feel like like people say shit in two contexts they say it quietly to themselves oh that's the best or they say it out loud to everyone like shit <laughs> or you just go ah oh, shit like no yeah that's my favorite you know like everyone just kind of lets like throw shit in there like shit's just not even like you know you don't use shit in like a an aggressive way like you just kind of just say Oh, what's this shit? Like, <laughs> I feel like this is like a Louis C.K. like joke. Um, it's honestly like 15 different like <laughs> shit rants all in one. Ah, uh, yeah. I I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to stick to fucking. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so I just, I wanted to know if you thought in the existential, existential sense that yeah. swearing or not filtering yourself was, uh, was authentic. Like, yeah, well, like I said, it's like I, I don't think authentic right. is like judged. Authenticity isn't judged by the language you use. It's like how if you're authentically a person that wants to use proper language and you do, that's being authentic. Mm-hmm. If you want to swear and you do swear, that's being authentic. If, you, if you're censoring yourself when you want to actually do it, that would be inauthentic. So, yeah, I was kind of like on the fence about it. I was like, or, it could and it couldn't. Or be, being like, one of those people that just cusses just to like yeah impress people you know or you know they notice someone else is cussing around them and they want to like you know oh let me try to fit in here what's up you fucking guy (laughs) is that authentic i don't know it's it's really hard to say because i was more i guess just holy shit bros how they qualified the use of vulgar language like well i guess we need to get into authenticity then with aunt yeah well that's i was gonna try to jump in there I mean that's the that's the philosopher thing when you when you ask me a question I make you define it yeah <laughs> I make you define all the words in the question that's the hardest part because I feel like some of these things are just so tied up in the way that and I that's just and that's why philosophy books like, are that's why philosophy books are so damn long it's like a guy has four sentences worth of thought and then he has to like explain it all. explain those like words yeah. and the definitions of the words and how he came to these conclusions of the definitions of these words so I'm gonna um. All right, I'm going to get into what what really spurred this whole thing or right. where this thing really took off. So I'm giving you a dose of existential living here. So, all right, yeah. so bear with me because it's going to be kind of sing-songy. Better, so, better than the circus. There we go. Several definitions of the word authentic as we know them. Like I mentioned a couple earlier, authentic as in origin, authentic as in individuality, and then there is an existential sense of the word authentic and authenticity authenticity in the existential existential sense mm-hmm. is thought to be understood as a type of moral psychology that's specific to identity and responsibility so what that means is that your authenticity as an individual is like your buddy kierkegaard would put it a relation that relates to other relations mm. to you know, to butcher kind of what he said. That sounds sexy. Mm. It's just, that's a lot of, that's a lot to unpack. That's a lot of relations. Yeah. And but that's what it is though. It's not necessarily like your, well, it sounded like from whatever you were reading that like you kind of make your own moral compass and only you can truly decide how good of a person true to yourself you're actually being. Well, let me ask you this. What does it mean to be oneself? What does it mean to be at one with oneself? Oh, that's weird. And what does it mean to truly represent oneself? Uh, 
Uh, I don't know. There you go. This is the question that the very like proto existentialists were. The first one. The with. first one sounded okay. The next two, I'm like, oh god. Right. I'm not right. Well, I feel like in order things. to answer the latter two, you would have to answer the former question. Like yeah. first, you'd have to go in order. Yeah, but oh, uh, but proto existentialists were faced with this question, and it really is the bread and butter of existentialism. Is what does it all mean? You know. Um, so the answer to this question, obviously, what does it mean to be oneself? Uh, it lies in living and doing things in ways that affirm who you are, that you're not another, and that another is not you. Yeah. So really covering all bases, you're doing what you want, to put it simply, but that's not the whole story. Um, this, is, this is like this idea that we are doing what we want is a shift um, from like 17th, 18th century thought that viewed individuality. um, Individuality was like a placeholder in a larger system of social relations. So think like we mentioned social contract theory last week. People played. You can be yourself as long as it doesn't interfere with society. Right. But the, the pervasive view before, you know, before the modern view that we have now was that people weren't individuals in the sense that, individuality was what allowed the bigger unit to function. Yeah. It was that the bigger unit allowed yeah. individuality yeah, to yeah, exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that kind of gets most people didn't have individuality because they spend 18 hours a day working and then, you know, sleeping yeah. and eating somewhere in there. So they that kind of gets turned on its head. And I want to just take a minute to just kind of disclaim out there that if any real philosopher ever hears this again, Again. I totally apologize for murdering and butchering and slaughtering this whole idea. Again, this is what I told this is what I told Jordan that one time that like if anyone actually if we sound like mm-hmm. we're like really know what we're talking about, we're talking down to you or something. We're not. We're not because if someone that actually knew what the hell they were talking about and actually studied mm-hmm. these materials on a, like a for their livelihood and as right. a major as a a true passion. Yeah. They would come in and be like, "No, wrong, that, you're wrong, wrong. You're an idiot. You're that's an overly idiot. simplistic. That's that's a, yeah, I think that's borderline problematic. I say is that this is not how these relate. Like you're 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 connecting dots in the wrong ways. So basically, we probably don't know what the fuck we're talking but about. Yeah. Uh, well, and then you could kind of counter legitimately, really, how who does? So that's, oh. that's, that's my uh, that's that's the trump card that every wannabe philosopher has. Like. But anyway, but it's also what trolls like. Yeah, that's the troll's greatest weapon too. It's a double-edged sword. It is a double-edged sword. Look Um, at that. So, like I said, you think social contract theory. So you give, you know, you give yourself to society, and society in turn allows you to be you. Yeah. If you is a good person. Um, and (laughs) what ended up happening is, did you remember studying Hegel? A little bit. A little bit of Hegel, right? He wasn't his he wasn't his own class by any means. No. We studied a lot of uh well, no, I guess I do have a Hegel book. That he was I, in the con class. Yep, he was. He, he was played a big part class. in that class. God, that class um, sucked. Well uh, sorry. Georg Wilhelm a, I dropped a hard Friedrich G there. Hegel. What? I dropped a hard G there. What was the G? I missed it. The class fucking sucked. Fucking sucked. Oh god, Tyler. Sorry. Um <laughs> Yes, Georg Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel. That's a mouthful of a name right there. He 
took this idea of authenticity and shifted away from authenticity as it was previously thought of, aka social contract theory-ish, he shifted to an idea that he called autonomy. Well, I don't know if he called it autonomy, really, I should say, but autonomy is what it came to be known as. Because, as far as I know, he probably wasn't speaking English. Um, so, in a historical context, uh, sincerity that, is... Sorry? No, just, that's just weird as fuck. Hmm. Like... That all this shit is translated? <clears throat> and, like... <clears throat> sorry. The whole... Arguments over, like, interpretations of, like, the Bible mm-hmm. and the version we read is like the King James version, right. which was translated from English like 400 years ago. So not that long ago. And it's and it's been established that things have like had been changed over, you know. Yeah. The years. It's really translations. hard. And translations when you're talking about words. Right. And these are all conceptual things. And the translations are like murky to borderline, like inaccurate. Like that's. It's fucking weird, man. Well, you know what's a super big trip about that is that in the philosoph- in the philosophical context, if you're studying philosophy as an American and well as an English speaker and even further as an American, it's like God knows what the fuck you're reading. Things have been translated time and time and time again. Yeah. And I you took a foreign language, you took Spanish and Italian. Yeah. I took French, and all the time I would ask like a like my proof professor like how do you uh how do i say this like how do i say this and uh or sometimes she would say something in french and knowing the vocabulary but not you know the context she'd be like what is why would anybody say like to put a boot on their head and she'd be like it's idiomatic like it just doesn't translate to another language so i wonder like how how much of that happens Like, like if something gets written in ancient greek gets translated to Latin yeah. and then gets translated to French and then gets translated to English. How much of that shit is really getting lost each fucking time? Yeah, man. So it's like, how do you know what the fuck you're reading? But anyway, uh, the like I said, historical context and seriously, the historical context of sincerity essentially meant that you were doing what you were obligated to do, and that could be morally or contractually, um, and that you weren't actively intentionally deceiving those who've engaged in that social contract. So all of you who are playing by the same rules. Uh, sincerity kind of just meant that you were doing what you were supposed to do and you, by doing what you were supposed to do, you also weren't deceiving anybody. Like you were just being sincere. Like you were being in that, that's kind of where that thought kicked off because I wanted to. And if you don't. mm -hmm. Okay. So sincerity, sincerity includes like other people, like in relation to other people. Right. Is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is perfect because we can tie this into fucking assholes on the highway. Right. Cutting you off. Right. That's awesome. Now tie it into assholes cutting me off. Um, <laughs> Just the whole fact that if everyone were to stay in the lane that they were currently driving in and didn't say, oh, suddenly this lane's moving slightly right. faster. I feel like traffic would, would be significantly reduced. Yes. Right. I agree with you. I think there's a, there's a really interesting video. I feel like I'm video. not saying anything like, you know, totally outlandish here. No, but. you're not. There's a really interesting video on YouTube that's kind of like explains like the science of traffic. It's like a seven minute video and it talks about that and like like people having to slam on the brakes too much, which causes a big giant chain reaction. But yeah. uh, we can talk about that some other day. <laughs> um, so sincerity, 
basically means you're you're doing your part. You're playing your role. You're not causing anybody stress. You're not, you know what I mean? You're living within your means, yada, 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 yada. So an example of that for anybody who's not really fucking uh, getting it. Um, and this is another thing that if you ever are trained philosophically or study it in school, the one thing that your professors want you to do other than be able to argue is come up with examples. Yes. And examples are just something that are like second nature. So for me, the ultimate like qualifier, like, oh yeah, I understand what's going on is that I make an example that's different from the one that's presented and works. So in, in my example, the difference between sincerity and autonomy, um, you've got two coworkers, right? They work in the same place. Um, one of them actively embraces the word culture one of them doesn't. They still show up every day to do their jobs, but their approaches to doing their jobs are different. They're, yeah. they're, they're both good workers. They both do everything they're supposed to do, and they excel, and they're smart, and they've got all the tools to succeed. Their outlook, though, is a little different. So they're both motivated to climb higher in their jobs. One of them doesn't question or, con- one of them doesn't question or critique, the, critique the employer or the organization. The other one is silently critical, but still strives for the promotion. So in this example, the first coworker, the one who's super positive, is sincere because he's showing up, he's embracing his role, he's doing his part in society, he's making the place better. He wants to be there. He wants to be there. He wants to make it a better place, also wants to make it a better place for himself. He's living sincerely. The second one, despite initially what could be perceived as like a bad attitude or something, he's living autonomously because while he can he can basically look at two sides of the same coin he can realize that well i don't really agree with this company but this job pays the bills i'm here for it this promotion you know what i mean will benefit me in the long run so i do what i need to do to not only help the company out but help myself out he's living autonomously because he's aware he's doing what the work can do for him right basically. so uh what this kind of like it, what what happens here is that although this example that I use isn't Hegel's, that, you know, essentially it's what Hegel's trying to say. So what he's trying to what he's trying to move from is that the original view of like authenticity as your part in society, like sincerity. Uh, he's trying to move from that, and he's trying to say that no, there should be a form that's higher than that sincerity, than that's autonomy, which <clears throat> is being true to oneself for one's own benefit. Um, huh. Whereas that view was previously understood as being true to oneself in order to be true to others. Yeah. So to play, you know, to be like a, a piece in a, in a machine. A, a paradigm shift. Pretty that's, much. And that's, that's kind of another sense. interesting thing about studying philosophy too is there's a shit ton of those. Yeah. Like every fucking 150 years well, or they, so, somebody comes r- along and just fucking busts they, the can wide open. They go right along with the, um, with history though. Because right. before everyone was like all about, you know, if I help God, if I, you know, live in society and I can go to heaven and then Galileo comes along and it's like, hey, by the way, you know, we're not the center of the universe. And right. Just a bunch of science for you, bitches. Pretty and much. They just throw science at you and people start to question like their lot in life and it falls back on number one. Yep. You got to you got to live. Well, you know what? That's funny, though, because autonomy doesn't stay autonomy forever. It eventually has to evolve into authenticity. At least this is how I once you like do enough it. stuff to like be consistent enough. Well, once enough. Nature. Well, I mean, naturally, what philosophers do 
better than anybody else well except for scientists is like stand on the shoulders of those who came before them yeah like philosophy just like science is like a whole fucking study that's predicated upon everything that came first like like other other social sciences i feel like can get away with like i said changing the paradigm yeah. like just coming from a different direct uh, different direction art even you know people just pulls like skrillex dude you know <laughs> i don't want to alienate any people by criticizing the I believe, music tape. I believe in a past podcast you said it was like playing a record and then tossing the record player I think downstairs. We have, <laughs> I think I have said To a this. beat. Yeah. Burr, burr. Yeah, I, this is my point exactly. I, I don't enjoy that, but it's different than any other noise you've ever heard. Mm-hmm. So You so, couldn't make that noise on a harpsichord. Right. Philosophy, though, like you can't like – that hasn't been a successful approach to it. Like you've always had to kind of just take – you know, what's been like, we got to where we got in philosophical terms by, you know, taking something that came before it and kind of just being, well, this is what's good about it. This is what's not. Let's, yeah. let's make something kind of new, Very but it's, few, but it's all sequential. Like Very um, few people ever put themselves in an oven and, you know, try to start entirely from scratch. No, the second guy, he was like, well, so the oven's been done. Let's do the refrigerator. <laughs> no, but, uh, that'll be me. Yeah, that should be you. You're getting that fridge right there. Um, so like I said, autonomy doesn't stay autonomy forever. It eventually has to evolve into the modern-day existential idea of authenticity. But in order to get there, uh, it, it had to go through its rigors. And in that, in, in those studies and explorations of the idea of autonomy, Hegel eventually comes to, to the conclusions that, you know, he says we got to live in accordance with our reasons and morals. And those reasons and morals like this whole idea of autonomy is dependent on a reflexive ability to suppress those thoughts or emotions that are detriment to what we understand as a social contract. So that's a lot. But he <laughs> says that the guy who's living autonomous autonomously in the work example, yeah, he's suppressing the negative thoughts that he has in order to benefit the wait. No, I thought that was the sincere guy. No, the sincere guy's not suppressing anything. Oh. Like he's 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 like he believes. Like this oh, is, so he's pr- oh, so the other guy's so he's autonomous. Like because he he looks at the situation and goes, I don't agree with what this company's doing, but so he suppresses the oh okay right. Gotcha. He's supp- it, and and this is what I autonomy thought was, I requires. Thought, I, th- I thought you were saying he suppresses like the feeling that he needs to like you know be one in with this with, with society no because he's not it. he's not having that that feeling per se yeah. like he's approaching the situation from like i i don't agree with this or i think it should be different but uh, yeah. and that's what he says that autonomy requires that reflexive ability like it, it requires you to be able to react to emotions that you have recognize when those are detrimental to the social contract yeah. and you know proceed in a way that benefits so do you think he's trying to say that like can both be like authentic to themselves though like at the same time like are both able to be if if they if they live that way consistently like long enough it's tough because we're kind of dealing with historical relativism now because like he wasn't dealing with the ter- with the idea of authenticity yet yeah he was working with autonomy right now like, yeah. didn't yeah, yeah, become yeah. he didn't coin authenticity he didn't yeah, conceive yeah. it like it was people who went back and read his work and took some of the things and then said this is this is what he was trying to say but to hegel it's it's autonomous so i don't really know i don't really know how to answer that question i'm trying you know? to say like he's trying to you know discern like like in that example it would be trying to discern between the two and which one is 
autonomous, I guess. But could they ever both be is what I guess I'm asking. No, because they would want, I think the, he's trying to create a dichotomy. Okay. And I think that he's there. There's supposed to be an like a. It's only two kind of people in this. Basically, world. it's like a binary. It, but I don't think like he's painting with that broad of a brush. Yeah. I think what he's just trying to illustrate mm-hmm. is that a sincere person doesn't have autonomous thoughts. All right. And an autonomous person doesn't think sincerely. Like they may uh-huh. that they realize what they're supposed to do and they do what they're supposed to do, but they don't. You know what I mean? They're not entrenched in the sincere, uh, in the sincere mindset. <laughs> Huh. So, so a sincere guy could could theoretically like inversely just deny himself like something that he would want to do for the good of himself, the company. No, for the good of, you know, the larger unit. If he didn't realize that that was the case, you know what I mean? And granted, my example is kind of like narrow. It's like, yeah, in, we're in a vacuum here. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but the sincere guy, I think. The point is, is that the sincere guy does his job like he, he it, ceaselessly like yeah. he doesn't, he, you know, he he's like a nameless, faceless. He's any other guy, whereas the autonomous person is particularly like one person, I think, in that example. OK, like it's like, you know, it's if you're like a, you know, a minority of one, so to speak, you know, you're the only person who has these thoughts. Um. So like. To, to kind of move it along down the timeline, um, when the idea of authenticity gets introduced later, it's decided that it differs from autonomy in that in the sense that there's things that should outweigh self-imposed restrictions on oneself. So this is when we start kind of getting into like the whole freedom and free will thing that Sartre was very big on. Yeah. Um, he's saying that the, the claim is that uh, being a moral agent means being able to understand when you need to overlook self-imposed restrictions and thus engage in thoughts and and ideas that are not necessarily one's own, but still reflect one's self-identity. So what that is saying is that now, if we broaden the example, let's say there's two people who are thinking autonomously, but they don't have the same thoughts. They're processing thoughts in a different way. One guy turns to the other guy and says, Hey man, you know, we could do it if we did it this way. You know what I mean? But like making a compromise like between the two. Well, the compromise is on the, the the person who's hearing the information for the first time uh, because he says, you know what? I agree with you. This would benefit me. Yeah. What he's doing is not thinking originally, yeah. but he's still acting in accordance with what he believes. Huh. And that's, that's, that's how authenticity really differs from autonomy. Authenticity kind of brings in like, like a third dimension, so to speak. It's not that you're, you're, you're not sincere in the sense that you're just following your orders because it's the right thing to do. And you're not autonomous in that you're ignoring your impulses and desires. When you're authentic, you're, you're living true to what you want, you know, no, no questions asked basically. So eventually, and, uh, I don't know. Have you, have you read any Jean-Jacques Rousseau? No. Never. Neither have I. And I was kind of surprised because, like, in this, like, dissertation that I was pulling all this information from, um, it basically comes to the conclusion that Rousseau's the one that claims he's the one that pretty much comes up with authenticity. Like, he's he's the one that, that he, like, he basically coins a term. And he says that as moral agents, we must distinguish between the moralities that are central. We, yeah, sorry. We must distinguish the moralities that are central from those that are peripheral. Oh. Um, he's saying 
he he has to distinguish between those that come from outside yeah and those that are your own weird right and uh Basically, from this distinction, a moral agent should be able to determine guiding principles that align with the self, um, as opposed to those that express, well, align with those from the self, as opposed to the ones that express the individuality from outside the self. Hi, what's up, man? <laughs> Fuck, we got uh, broadly interrupted there. <laughs> um, like I said, I'm glad I got to finish that thought, though, before the train got derailed. <laughs> so, what's Kierkegaard talking about? Like I said, so. I was going to get there and we're going to have to pick up the pace because I'm, you know, the wheel started cooling off. So Rousseau's the one that comes up with the idea of authenticity indirectly by saying that authenticity is what allows us to take outside thoughts and internal thoughts and synthesize the two while still acting in the act of self in not interest, so to speak, because it's not an ethical dilemma. It's just kind of like a, you know, like an imperative sort of, it's weird. But this kind of paves the way for a bunch of other people to talk about existential ideas. Among them are uh, Soren Kierkegaard, who's one of my personal faves, and I'm kind of bummed that we never ever got to actually read any of his shit for school. Um, But he's the one that comes up with that idea that says that the self is a relation that relates to itself. Relations, man. (laughs) I'm glad that you're kind of just hung up on that because sometimes when I would read texts and whatnot, they would do this. They would say the same word in like five different ways in one sentence, and I just have to go, okay, wait, one, two, three. So the self is a relation that relates itself to itself. And it's like it's really hard to understand, but basically what I think he's saying is that by understanding the self as it relates to the existence in which it finds itself we avoid what Kierkegaard calls the sickness unto death which long story short is despair basically not doing what you like and knowing that you're not doing what you want to do that's that's what despair is knowing that it's like being profoundly unhappy because you don't get to do what you want to do um so Kierkegaard toys around with this idea of authenticity in a bunch of different ways and kind of decides that you can live morally, religiously, or aesthetically and just a bunch of stuff. And that's, you know, way too big to unpack right now. But another one who happens to come up with this idea and toy around with authenticity is Heidegger, Martin Heidegger. Did you ever read any Heidegger? I think so. Same in that same, like, uh, Heidegger was a trip. Do you remember the idea of Dasein? Oh God, yeah. Dasein is the relation. This was all this Kant class, dude, and I hated that class. So yeah. This is well, all back Hol- Holden actually talked about some of Dasein. Now I remember him explaining it, and everything he explained wasn't wasn't so hard to understand, I guess. Yeah. But Dasein, the relation of being, kind of like Kierkegaard's self. You are, and other people and other things are, and it's through the fact that we kind of share an existence. That's sort of what Dasein is, the fact that we're all engaged in this thing. It's the force. Yeah, kind of, sort of. Um, an idea that expresses itself at any given moment. Um, our existence is being questioned. So we're kind of always unsure, projecting ourselves into the future. Yeah. Think Not thinking necessarily in present tense, but thinking like, you know, 5, 10, 20 seconds weird. down the road. Or like you're still processing the words that like you mm-hmm. are, you yourself are saying. So you're always like 
this is just what happened or, oh, this is about to happen. That's so strange. And we're by that, we're perpetually forced to identify ourselves as a projection or an idea of what will be in the future. Uh, so we're kind of always limited to what we think or where we think we're going to be from where we are right now. As, as it, sometimes you might think like, oh, I'm thinking in terms of present tense, but you're kind of always relating yourself to what's coming further down the road. And then uh, authenticity starts to really take shape once Sartre comes around. Oh, boy. And I'm always unsure if it's Sartre or Sartre. Uh, I think it doesn't matter because I think both are probably wrong. I don't think it matters either. But I'm sure if you typed it into Google Translate, she could give you a good idea. Wow. Sartre comes up with this idea. She's and I'm going to ask you if you remember it called facticity. Facticity. You remember facticity? Yeah. What's um, facticity? I don't like, rem- I remember writing about it. <laughs> I remember, I remember defining it on a quiz. Yep. Facticity is the certain things that make an individual what they are. There you go. And the, and this is where I put my two cents in here because oh. I did in quotation marks, supposed, the supposed distinct human ability to question the things that we are and possibly manipulate them into being different free will oh yeah yeah but you know just back co- to facticity yeah that's the thing you can't control right facticity are the things that make us the way they are yeah and the things that we are thereby supposedly able to manipulate if oh, we don't okay. like you can change your facticity it's okay. your uh okay. You're being thrust or whatever the I, term he I comes like in the, with. Um, no, yeah, I like the uh, the throneness. That's what it was Throneness, yeah, yeah. You can't change that. That's you like, cannot that's change the, that. That's the family you're born into. That's mm-hmm. the location they happen to be when you're born and like the things that happen in your life before you had like an actual choice in the matter. <laughs> Can you believe it, man? Yeah, so the new setup. The new setup causes more interruptions than the last one, so we might be uh, we might be shutting the lab permanently down. <laughs> might just happen to be fucking getting the fuck out. Oh man! So Sartre's big point is that uh, authenticity is kind of a transcendence. Do you remember what he mentions? Do you remember the him throwing around the term transcendence? Uh, yeah. Authenticity is a transcendence from being in itself to for itself yep. living in a way that you would want to live a thousand times over. That's a Nietzsche Nietzsche idea, but same fucking same principle. So it's like existence with a purpose. So this one kind of, at least the way that we studied it, it sort of plateaued off kind of at start and who came right after him, Simone de Beauvoir, de Beauvoir. with the ethics of ambiguity. Which was that novel that encourages kind of encourages individuals to face Sartre's idea of freedom with an openness, and from this openness, we kind of develop a courage that allows us to act with clarity in a way that reflects what's right to the best of their own understanding. So she like lists lists it off in stages, and eventually comes to the conclusion that if you sort of go through all these stages and you believe you know what she's telling you, when you arrive at the 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 pinnacle of authenticity you will be living in a way that you want to live in context to society that is right and just and true and satisfies all your you know existential cravings so that little happy medium of all things. it's 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 not really a medium i've always kind of felt like it's just a fucking uh 
it's like a it's definitely an imbalance like you you it's like you give up five percent of your individuality for 95 percent autonomy autonomy and authenticity but it's like, like yeah that's 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 like the five percent is that but you that's still, assuming, you, assuming you don't want to break laws right like already right so in true absurdist fashion that's kind of where existentialism has a big hole in it because it's like it assumes everyone just wants to be a or that murdering somebody isn't wrong. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It just kind of goes on to say that that, that goes without saying that like, you shouldn't kill people. And it's just yeah. like, well, <laughs> you know, you're telling me to be the Ubermensch here, guy. Come on. Yeah. If you're standing in the way, you gotta go. But, um, yeah, yeah man. So I was just curious to know if you had any reflections on any of that or if anything came up that like resurfaced from dusting this old shit off. Yeah, no, I just remembered how much I hate that con class. <laughs> oh my god! And it was just because of the lady. It wasn't. Be- it was. I mean, it, I mean, it is totally like super dense stuff where you're like really defining and redefining and redefining. Hey, she was a really incredible pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. You have every right. Yeah. So let's uh, let's wrap it up here and get into your uh, your contribution. My contribution. Yep. Oh shit. We're not like almost out of time right now. No, we got a solid thirty minutes. <sighs> almost out of time. What was my contribution gonna be? I don't know. You said you had something. Did I? Maybe. Oh, is it this thing? I think I brought this up in like one of the first few. We can uh, always retouch it. Ones about um, the idea of like if sports are rigged. Oh. Let's do it. Go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like basically and rigged in the sense that like, I mean, there's a lot of people that believe like sports are rigged. Like, you know, the call comes down from like the NBA commissioner, you know, uh-huh. like a ref, you know, like call this play, blah, 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 yeah. blah. And that's crazy. Like that's total conspiracy theory shit. <laughs> like no one's like meeting in a boardroom to like discuss outcome of games. But things can definitely be rigged like in terms of just – you like pre counterweight the playing field so that when you both step on it, oh, it's level. You know what I mean? Right. But you totally like have rigged the level system. Is I, what I'm saying. I don't. I don't know. The example being, um, like America in the Olympics. Right. You know what I mean? How? Yeah. By the virtue of just having a bunch of people, like I mean, we don't have as many as China or Russia. Or I mean, do we have as many as Russia? I have a feeling uh, Russia's got more. more people than America. All right. Well, guess who usually wins most of the Olympics? Could be totally wrong there. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> do you want to check it out right now? You just keep going. I'll, I'll sound. I'll fact check here. But basically, I mean, first of all. A giant population is going to help you win the Olympics because you have a larger pool of people to choose from, you know, and a wider range of athletics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How many people do? Uh, hang on, hang on, keep going. <laughs> and you also have to have the you know ability to train for such an event. So you have to have you know the economic infrastructure in order to have kids that grow up not having to go to a factory, not having to, you know, live in the third, even second world where they can go to, you know, soccer practice and they can go to a swim club and they can learn these skills or learn these, not, they're not even skills. They're, uh, what would you call it? Attributes, like talents. 
what would you call just general athletic, you know, abilities? Skills? Skills? Gifts? I mean, I mean, gifts and like, for lack of a better term, like but it's just like your physical, you know, attributes. Like, talking about the one, the thing that you like strive for, though. Yeah. Like the thing, like the, the thing you're practicing, because if you just, if it was all discipline, gift, training, I guess, like, you know what I mean. Words. I'm not saying that anybody, if they apply their mind to it, could be a fucking virtuoso guitar player, but. It, it, it kind of helps to be tall if you you know want to be if you want to play basketball you know what I mean like it's just sort of you know so, some things are latent there and again there. and again you're larger you know pool to choose from of you know dudes that are six four and above you know it's probably gonna lead to a you know certain prowess in an athletic event. So that gets into the whole uh, you know the whole the, 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 there's the whole. What are you still looking up? Before oh, I dude! This thing? USA has more than double the amount of people that Russia has. Yeah, I was gonna say I know Russia's enormous, but I have a feeling not many people are there. Yeah, right? like wow. Yeah, one hundred and forty to three hundred and twenty million. people. They basically only have like three major cities. That's true, and it's fucking cold as dick out there. Yeah, man. Um, but um, so just the entire like idea of like you know oh America versus this team in you know this tiny you know country of three million people like go you know i'm glad we can you know settle this on the even playing field of sport and it's like you've already come into it with all the advantages that right you can't necessarily call this like an even match you know what mm-hmm. i mean and yeah some people are going to be better at sports than others but i mean again that should come down to how much you practice and the gifts you have when you're born but then again that gets in the murky waters are the gifts being the what we talked about before thrownness just because you were born in like an affluent affluent american you know neighborhood and you can go to fucking equestrian club every day and suddenly you become a great horse rider yeah horse rider because you have the luxury to do so or like who's to say some kid in fucking, you know, the Philippines wouldn't be an amazing NASCAR driver, but he just never got that chance because, <laughs> you know, like you're he, not wrong. He, I he, just, didn't, he wasn't born in Tennessee. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, you're definitely not wrong there. It's all circumstantial. That's why opportunities or everything. But I don't think that makes the Olympics rigged. You wouldn't say that's like rigged. You Maybe say unfair, but. I feel like when I feel like when I hear semantically, here we go. Yeah. I feel like when I hear the term rigged, that's what I, I mean. Feel you like think the odds have been tampered with? You like, think people like in a boardroom meeting, like they you know, set yeah. them? You know what I yeah. mean? Like, are the Olympics unfair? Yeah, definitely. In terms of pure competition, yeah. But look at there's outliers there, like Jamaica, dude, Usain Bolt, like. Nobody's fucking beating him. Yeah, but actually all the best runners in the world are uh-huh. Jamaican. All the best sprinters. So there might be either something Either they have to run all day. Or like, like long distance runners but, are all from like Kenya or Ethiopia. That's true. You know? But I'm saying like it's like niche things, which is really interesting because it's like are those traits like geographically significant? You know what I mean? Like an anthropologist could probably tell you all kinds that of that I'm being racist. Well, that too. <laughs> that's that's what I get. First, first they would racist. give you a detailed uh, uh, explanation of how racist mm-hmm. you are and how you know much you should hate yeah. yourself. Well, yeah, well, I guess when you look at it that way, so there's a, there's a very wide range of things that are in the Olympics. Yeah, you I, know mean, what I mean, but that's the thing again with the whole thrownness. Like you're not gonna find the best 
you know, chess player in the world, you're just going to find the best people that play chess in the world. You know what I mean? Or fencing. Now, how do you mean? Like there could be amazing, like LeBron could be an amazing fencer, but we right. never know because he doesn't fence. You know what I mean? Right. The people that fence, fence. And those are the people that we're saying are the best fences in the world. Because yes, they are, but they have the ability to, they fence. Have the ability to fence because they've worked at it. But doesn't that kind of just eliminate other people though? It should. I guess, yeah, like, yes, that makes it, you know, fair, but the fact that some people in certain circumstances right. have the ability to be able to go there. Right, right, right. So, thrownness aside, if, if if the playing field was level, you're saying that little, you know, Timmy and... I'm saying LeBron would be, like, like top LeBron. five in every single sport he would have picked up if he did that so, for his life. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. Like, can you imagine LeBron the fencer? Oh my god! Or LeBron, like the goalie, like in soccer. Yeah. Oh my totally. god. <laughs> totally. That whole like tight end thing that football's doing right now, and where like, they're they're the biggest guy on the field. If LeBron was born shot. in like Italy, like yeah. he would be a world class like you know soccer player. Could he be a team. car driver? No, he's too big. He couldn't be a jockey. No. He'd fucking crush a horse. <laughs> he would. Yeah. Like I mean, it just all depends on you know. Right. Circumstances in which you're okay, and then there's the whole other thing. Um, like the I like how like you're just like, okay, let's do this. Sorry, <laughs> there was this whole other thing that it, I isn't really tied into the rig thing anymore, but kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, like the baseball hall of fame is starting to vote, and the guys that are coming up are, um, well, eventually, I think you only have your vote for like a certain number of years, and then you have to give it up. Mm-hmm. So, the old generation of like baseball writers that like hates, you know cheating and you know steroids and all that stuff are starting to be cycled out and the guys that grew up watching like mark mcguire and barry bonds and stuff are kind of like eh, whatever like i don't really care that much about it so obviously like that's much more arguably like yes that's obviously cheating like that's you know using an you said obviously a lot there. I'm sorry, <laughs> but it is like like anyone can say like if you take like a steroid that either makes you stronger or be able to get right through injuries to yeah. like not lower your, you know, hundred percent, you know, just full on skill. Mm-hmm. You would say that's a, that's a competitive advantage, like an unfair competitive advantage. If some people are doing it and other people aren't. Yeah. Well, do they like, I guess they have the opportunity, but they, but they don't at the same time. Like, cause you know, some people are like living sincerely. There you go. They're fucking playing by the rules because it's the right thing to do. And other people are fucking thinking autonomously. They're like, well, if I do this, you know, there's a chance I could get away with it. All right. And then something that, uh, it was the thing. Like I'm all, I'm getting most of this from Pablo Torre, but the one thing he mentioned was like, all right, what about dudes who have bad eyesight and they get like LASIK surgery? Like pitchers, you know what I mean? Like pitchers, like Greg Maddox played with glasses and he was amazing. Yeah. And now people don't have to wear glasses on the mound because they can get LASIK surgery, see better right. like, than they're naturally supposed to. Right. And no one really calls that like a competitive advantage, you know? That's, yeah. You know what this is kind of making me think about? Remember when like we, we were talking about like the, the anchor ban in golf? The what? The anchor ban, like, like anchored putting. Like belly putters and shit got <laughs> yeah, got banned yeah, because yeah, yeah. like they they were saying that it creates an advantage. Just and awkward golf stroke like orientations and how the 
stick is placed. Basically anchoring your like elbows to your side so that they, you know, you can control their movements more consistently. But they banned it now. Yes. They banned it because they were saying that it was given, it it had given people a competitive advantage because the last, like in that, in the year where this like was a hot topic, I think it was like 2013, 2014, like three of the four major winners of uh, over a certain span of time were using like belly punters. Yeah. And I remember like the whole thing was like, how is an advantage if everyone's allowed to do it? It's not like yeah. steroids where it's like, you know, it's not illegal. Like, you know, like everyone can use a, uh, an it's, it, putter. It, it's true. Yeah. Cause and, and, and people took the time to pick it up and, and get better at it. Skill. And so, if it provided an advantage, why wasn't everybody doing it? Yeah. That seems really stupid. Like, I don't get that. And it just kind of, this makes me think about that. Like if, you know, like in, in the case of steroids, I guess steroids is like a little different because there's, you know, you most of the time there's like a foundation saying that, you know, this is illegal. We're trying to keep the sport pure, this yeah. and that, whatever the motives may be. There's a force that says that they can't do a certain thing, but you bet your ass. Like I'm thinking like particular, like, like MMA, which is like a sport that has a lot of steroid usage in it. But even if it didn't like, those guys are still fucking training their fucking minds out. They're still yeah. fucking all doing the same fucking things within, you know, reason. Like, but maybe it's just because no one ever thought that, like, anchoring. Oh, my God. Anchoring is actually, like, way easier. Mm-hmm. So maybe, like, <laughs> like in basketball, like, they were like, oh, you have to dribble, you know. And then when you're about to shoot, you know, you can take a step or two. Mm-hmm. And someone took that two and made it, like, three. And they finally had to say, like, what if they took one more step? You know what, man? Like, maybe we're going to cut it off at two. Like, you can't yeah. just be running with the ball anymore. So maybe it was just something that hadn't, like, been dawned on yet. And they were like, you know what? No. No one should have ever. But I feel like if you watched Arnold Palmer, like, he's totally, like, anchoring his elbows against his fucking knees to putt all awkwardly. Everything he did was ugly. Yeah. It was weird. But so I don't know, like, how they're. Amazing. I don't know. That seems like a weird thing. But yeah, I was just talking about the whole um So like what constitutes a competitive advantage, I guess. Yeah, but I mean your first question was like are sports rigged? Yeah. I mean these are kind of two separate things, but Uh-huh. Well, yeah, I'm I get that. I'm just kind of, of just now together. I'm just like thinking like, well, I feel like there's got to be some kind of human element to the rigging aspect though, like you have to feel like it's like sinister, though. That's what I mean. Yeah, like the odds are legitimately against somebody from an outside force. Like it's not that it's like they're they're outmatched or this or that because like that's the case in the Olympics is that the the rest of the world is just outmatched. Although like, there have been plenty of uh-huh. uh, like lawsuits and stuff in like the Italian soccer league of match fixing. Yeah, so that's that, actually that's a, a thing. That's, that's actually that's a real rigging thing. in my <laughs> so, thing. Well, you, I mean, I don't know if anybody's gonna argue. No, that's pure and rigging. say that FIFA isn't corrupt. Well, that's yeah, yeah. That that was in my thing too. That FIFA and the NCAA, just in terms of, but again, you're setting up like before you even start fixing matches, you're uh-huh. setting up the playing field, which seems level to not actually be level because of all the things you're doing off the field. Like crazy Alabama recruiting right. versus Middle Tennessee's, you know, recruiting and resources. How do you feel about college athletes getting paid? Can we do that next time? Because we can, we can do a whole lot about that. I'm down. All right. I'm definitely down to talk about that. But I got to be somewhere in an hour and I got to eat first. All right. So are you trying to wrap it up? Yeah, I think so. All right. Is there anything you want to do? Uh, send us off with? 
Oh, fuck the circus, man. Fuck the circus. Fair enough. I hate you, art connoisseur fools. We're yeah. getting prolific again. Stop trying to kill Betty White. We're going to get in a fight about that. She's dead. Don't She's dead do to it. me. Stop She's dead it. to me. We're going to be moving back into the old place, I think, because <laughs> this shit isn't working. So at least, you know, if we deal with my place, it's just my girlfriend and my dog. And she actually contributed. She, yeah, didn't, she didn't judge us like your engaged. sister or well, judge us like. Judge us. She judged us right to our fucking faces. That's what I prefer. <laughs> Uh yeah, not so, backhanded uh, comments as you walk. Death Watch 2017 is coming at you. Cross your fingers, kids. Pray to Satan. People are going down. Oh God. Yeah, that's that's all I gotta say. So anything, uh, anything else you got? No, just fuck clowns. All right, motherfuckers. Until the next time, we decide to get prolific. Peace out. Later.